Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Mark and Sarah talk about songs. 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 For the at least 230th time, welcome to Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. I'm your co-host, Sarah D. Bunting, and I am here with the fantastic Mark Blankenship. Hello, Mark. Oh, it's kind of like I'm related to American Idol's Fantasia, and mm, I accept. Indeed. And you have your own uh, line of carbonated beverages. Ooh, yes. Don't you want to want a Fantasia? Yes, yeah, you do. I mean, now I do. So... It's an episode ending in zero. Most of you probably know what that means. It means we're ranking an entire album. Mark, what are we ranking today? Well, this time we're going to be ranking the Postal Service's 2003 album, Give Up. And I am the one who suggested this because we've tended to rank albums from the 80s, 90s, and earlier. And I thought it would be interesting to talk about an album that had come out in the 21st century. And I feel like that this album is also an interesting left turn for us, Sarah, because honestly, it's much more phantom than (laughs) many things that we've talked about at this length. But uh, I really like this album, and I think it'll be interesting to dig into it. And I have a lot of memories about it from grad school. So here we go. Yeah, this is also going to be one of those ranking episodes where one of us doesn't really know the album at all. Like I knew two of the songs and then there was like another one that I was like oh I think I think I've heard this one before but I really didn't necessarily know what I was in for because I wasn't familiar with the whole album I didn't really know anything about the group and I made certain notes being like about its like relationship to my listening to Rilo Kylie without realizing that Jenny Lewis was in the postal service. So (laughs) I mean, someone's doing their job in there and I'm not sure who it is. Let's just say it's both me and Jenny Lewis. Um, So this is going to be, this is going to be interesting because I was, you know, I'd heard of the postal service. I'd heard of a couple of the songs, but I had no pre-existing relationship. So this as a ranking prospect is going to be fascinating, but like it always is. It never goes how we think it's going to go, except for how the actual rankings work. Dig that segue. Yes, 10 points to Gryffindor. If if you're new here or you've just forgotten how we do this, here's how it works. We talk through the entire album in album track order, and along the way, we assign each track a ranking. So... There's 10 tracks on this album. Our number one songs will get 10 points each. Number two will get nine, so on and so forth. Our Patreon supporters also have voted on this album, and their rankings will be factored into the final rankings overall as well. There is a little arithmetic. Not to worry. Mark is in control. And uh, (laughs) at the end, the uh, rankings of the album have the force of law. So... (laughs) <laughs> Listen with trepidation to the fandom. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, I think that's everything in terms of logistics. Do you have anything to say before we get into talking about tracks about the album overall? 
Yes, I'll make two quick points. Well, three. The first being that if you would like to vote in future ranking episodes, we would love to have you. And mm. you can join us by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Mastis. Two, uh, it's worth noting that if you don't know this album very well or the Postal Service very well, and when you hear these clips, you think, well, that sounds a lot like Death Cab for Cutie. It should, because... Ben Gibbard, the frontman of Death Cab for Cutie, is also the guy who sings and writes all the lyrics for the Postal Service. His primary partner in the exercise is an indie musician named Jimmy Tamborello. But as Sarah noted, Jenny Lewis of Rilo Kylie and certain key 80s movies is also part of this prospect. And then there's another woman named Jen Wood who contributes vocals as well. So that's the whole shtiz. I also think it's worth noting that this album's history is very interesting because when it came out, it was not really marketed that much. They did a quick little tour and then they thought, well, that's it. We're all going to go back to our regular lives. But then this album, Sarah, truly became a word of mouth phenomenon. Kind of, I almost want to say it was in that last wave of time when you actually had to hand someone a physical thing in order to get them to hear music. Mm-hmm. And I think that's this right. album really did get passed around on mixed CDs. People burned copies of it, and it got spread out through the college music uh, universe and grad school music universe, because that's part of the way that I discovered it, but we'll get to that later. And eventually, this album has this album went platinum. It sold over a million copies, but it took 10 years. So this is really- And then they a- did a reunion tour, right? Yes. <laughs> And it was like the first time that they had ever, they did a reunion tour that essentially was their first tour when they were a popular band. It just took 10 years for them to finally go on a big tour for their album. Like they did a little one right at the beginning. And then 10 years later, people finally got to hear these songs live after lots of people had heard them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think that that's really cool that this album very unassumingly became this sleeper hit. Mm. Well, I think that's an actually uh, good jumping off point to talk about the first track on the album, The District Sleeps Alone. Um, tonight. Tonight. <laughs> yeah, I just, I always forget that last. There's like 900 words in that title. That, I always leave off the the at the beginning. Yeah. Anyway. Um, a- as I also did in my, in my clip. Um, the, because it is a little bit surprising to me, frankly, that people were able to get past this song. (laughs) I I did pull a clip. I tried to keep it short, but I I kind of wanted to get everything in there that I felt was um, indicative, let's say. So here's a clip of The District Sleeps Alone Tonight. I am a visitor. Yeah, you were, because this just seems intentionally 
annoying like with the weird time signatures and the bleep blooping that's happening like this ends up being my t- sort of stance on the album overall which is like there are moments of almost shocking synchronicity and beauty in it but then so often the song wants to jump back from itself and be like look how clever this rhyme is <laughs> look, look how look how intentionally alienating I'm being with these computer noises. And this song, like this song is just obnoxious. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I clipped it. It's still not my number it's not my number 10, but it's my number 9 two points. But like I think that clip is like there is there is so much potential even in the songs that I don't like and then the way that the songs are about themselves sometimes I'm like okay boo boo I'm going somewhere else also also many of these songs keep going for like 45 seconds to a minute longer than anybody needed with the beep boop 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 like are we in the 24 credits bitch knock it off <sighs> I feel like you're being really generous by saying they're only 45 seconds too long because, oh, my God, some of these later songs, I'm like, bitch, you've been on for seven hours. What's going on? I know. Or like you wake up like I had a beard, you know, two days growth. I'm like, do you want to start singing at some point? Where are we? (laughs) Yes, this is this song is so indicative of my entire experience of this album now in my 40s, as opposed to when I was a let's admit it, fairly pretentious theater graduate school student. (laughs) Because when you're in theater graduate school and everyone is talking about this album, you're like, oh my God, I love that they refuse to give you the benefit of joy by giving you a course. It's like, withhold, yes, withhold from me. Art (laughs) isn't supposed to make you happy, sheeple. Like, but (laughs) but it could fucking try. I spent 17 bucks on this bullshit. <laughs> Give me something. But um, you know, it's like I was at this point in my life wearing a black leather wrist cuff everywhere that oh, I went. Oh, yeah. So it's like I, <laughs> even when I was wearing like nice slacks and a button down, I would still <laughs> wear that wrist cuff. Because, mm-hmm. and I would always joke that, that my wrist cuff with my little like preppy clothes was a way of saying, you think you know me, but you don't. And then I hold up my wrist cuff and people would have their minds blown. And they're like, actually we do know you. <laughs> I mean, I like, I actually, I was aware of my own shtees at this time. Right. You know, self-aware. But this album, you, you, you really nailed it by saying there, the moments of beauty on this album are so powerful that they really allow me, even at this age to put up with all the bullshit that happens around it. Yeah. Um, for instance, even inside of this song, which it's like, basically, it's just a song about seeing your ex and her new friends that you don't know because you don't know them because you're not with her anymore and feeling really out of place. Okay, yeah. great. This verse, I will say, is the verse that to me should have been the jumping off point for the whole song. Mm-hmm. I'll wear my badge, a vinyl sticker with big block letters adhered to my chest that tells your new friends i am a visitor here i am not permanent that's a beautiful way of saying i feel out of place like imagining mm-hmm. a hello my name is sticker that that's gr- that's so lovely and it gets buried underneath the mountain of bleepy bloops and right. the like 75 extra vocal tracks and i'm just like uh but that yeah. part's good yeah i mean 
it, there is a um there is a weezerish quality to like the lyrics are extremely finely drawn and precocious but there's also this like inability of the narrator to get past his own like to stop smelling his own farts <laughs> Like many well, times I'm like, that's a good lyric. It's not as good as you think it is, but it's good. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that's the that's the thing. Like, this is this is sort of college rock in the yeah. most collegey way. And I yeah. say that with so much love for the recent graduates in my life, but you you know how that goes. We were all like this. It's fine. It takes us back to the conversation that we had about Natalie Merchant when we ranked <laughs> that Ten Thousand Maniacs album. It's that. <laughs> Yeah, but this is but more I, like sophomore year Thanksgiving where yeah. they're not even trying to convince you about the veganism. They're just no longer talking to you. And it's like, all right. And like with every bite of tofu stuffing, they taste their own superiority. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so <laughs> I also put this song in ninth place. And yes, that means there is one song on this album that uh, well, we'll get to that. Oh, I'm but so the, interested. The patrons, I think mostly because this was a single and therefore is better known, put it in second place. Well, yeah. So that's nine points from them and two points from both of us for a total of 13 points for the district sleeps alone. And the only last thing I will add is until we were recording, preparing for this episode, I thought that the first line was smeared black cake, but it's smeared black ink. Oh. And it made me think about that terrible line from that book that I sent you the other day. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not how we treat cake in this house. Okay. So next, I would say, I'm going to predict, Sarah, that you feel this way too. But maybe you don't. But for me, we go from the one of the nadirs of the album all the way to the peak. And the song that really makes this album worth the effort and it's interesting that they make you wade through the jungle of The District Sleeps Alone mm. tonight to get to such great heights. This is the song that introduced me to the Postal Service because I was in Atlanta in 2003 in the spring to see a play that my then boyfriend had written. We traveled together from New Haven to Atlanta to see the first production of this play. And the final moment was scored by the sound designer with such great heights from the Postal oh. Service. And I have to say, that boyfriend was terrible, but this play was good. <laughs> and yeah. this moment in the play, when this, when such great heights, the, the opening chords underscore this really romantic moment, it was wonderful. And I instantly loved the song. And then the sound designer had made a... CD mix of all of the songs he had used in the show and gave it to me and to all of us who were there. And so that's how I first got a copy of any uh, Postal Service song is because I was handed the burned soundtrack to uh -huh. a play. Such Great Heights also went on to be covered by a guy who calls himself Iron and Wine in a very stripped down, I think, exhausting version. Although some of our patrons, Lindsay, I see you prefer that version. Mm-hmm. But between the two, these two versions of Such Great Heights ended up in like 91 television commercials also. Yeah. This is Which like is, a this is like peak OC postal service, yes. I think. Exactly. So if you have heard a postal service song and you've only heard one, it's probably this one. Here is a clip from Such Great Heights. Try my best to leave this all on your machine, but 
It was important for me in that clip to include a little bit of that guitar solo mm-hmm. just because this song actually deigns to have a guitar solo, and it I like does. that. It does. Yeah, and it had a sort of hivesy, vinesy feel that I liked that, I mean, that sort of period of um, like post-neo-europunk was like five years before this, I guess, but mm-hmm. um, I like that sound. This This is another one where like... It takes forever to start. It won't end. Um, Once you get into the meat of the song, which is really only like two and a quarter, two and a half minutes of like real like meat without the bleeps and bloops. I think maybe I just heard it too many times, like in a whatever Volvo electric car commercial. Uh, It's it's an interesting meta story about the song and the relationship and the song's relationship to itself. Um, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, it manages to sound like a satire of itself. Like this song is what you would write if you were sort of satirizing this entire like era of indie, like OC soundtrack mixtape sound. Um, and my notes on this read and I quote, why don't I like this more? Oh, this should be buntnip. It has some indie vines components I should enjoy. I don't know why this song isn't grabbing me. And it it isn't like I understand why this was the song, right? And mm-hmm. I don't think it's a bad song and that guitar solo, like this is not an unpleasant experience. But unfortunately, like if they just chopped off like a minute on either end, maybe it would rank higher. I don't hate it. But it's seventh place for me, four points. Interesting. I don't uh, disagree from, with, however, like whatever everyone else ranked it. I'm sure it's quite high, and that's probably correct. I just was like, I have to, I have to be me. And listen, follow your heart. I, I just really think this song is so romantic and lovely. I love the whole premise of the song, which is that we are separated from one another because we're both out working, and I am trying my best to contain in a single song, all of my enormous feelings for you. Mm -hmm. And I can't sing it on your answering machine because that doesn't, it's not going to sound right. And I hope you can hear it on the radio. And I just hope you can feel it. But I have this confidence that no matter what, people are going to be um, dubious of our glorious love. And there's this sort of complicated relationship between being lonely, but also being convinced you're in the world's greatest romance that I find very, very postal servicey and true mm-hmm. of this whole period where even the joy is mixed with a lot of like angst and sadness. Sure. Well, and it's very, uh, I mean, it's like a fairly sophisticated lyric, but that, you know, the problem as often happens with these songs is that you can, you can sense the regard 
like part of the reason he's not going to put it on the answering machine is because not enough people will hear it and admire mm. <laughs> the um, devastating effectiveness of his of his, you know, lyrical balladry, which is great. But it's, you know, it, that's always the tension for me with the postal right. service. And it's like, you know, they're really good. Just ask them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I. I hear that. I mean, oh my God, certainly I hear that. But for me, this one, the, 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 the beauty of the melody and the elegance of the lyrics and that tension I was just describing between joy and sadness, joy and isolation, joy and the, uh, disapprobation of the masses. I really just, it works for me. And also, like mm. I said, the personal connection to remembering very clearly where I was the first time I heard it oh, and exactly yeah. what was happening in the play all of that is the reason that it is a clear first place for me uh, mm-hmm. with 10 points. And the patrons also put it in first. So a solid showing for such great heights. I'll say. Next, I have a clip of track three. It's called Sleeping In. And I, perhaps against my better judgment, I actually like this song. But I, I know <laughs> that it's not justifiable. I'll just say that up front. <laughs> this is a song about a guy who decides that he is the only one who can forgive the entire world for its bad behavior, essentially. So he has these dreams where the all of the mysteries of the culture, like the John F. Kennedy assassination, plus all of our anxiety about the destruction of the environment have been completely erased, and we're all just happy. And so the chorus is all about how he's going to be sleeping in, meaning I want to stay in this dream state which is both uh, talking about his own ennui and a criticism of anyone who avoids the reality of how shitty we are to each other. And you can just feel the English major Mm -hmm. uh, self-regard all over it. And yet, weirdly, I don't hate it. I put it in fifth place. Spoiler. But before we go any further, let's listen to a clip. had this at around the same place in my rankings it was number six five Mm. points um i think this is a sort of better and more cohesive version orally of a lot of things that are annoying about the district sleeps alone tonight Mm -hmm. um while and it has um some fairly sophisticated construction in terms of the callback to days in november um that i i thought were good and it um it has a sort of uh, like walking around song quality to it. It's not as overproduced, which is good. But, um, you know, in the second half of the song, my notes are like, is something going to fucking happen? Because it's like, <laughs> why are we still like you've you've made your point as sort of self-regarding as it is. Why are we still here? Like, is this bus going to come or what? Um, so it's not 
great, but I sort of, I sort of almost admire that it's like the JFK assassination and global warming and then bleep blooping for <laughs> two minutes. Like that that's, you got some balls on you kid. <laughs> like, all right. Um, but yeah, it just seemed a little less, um, like performatively pretentious and like tr track one was like, I dare you to like my band. And track three is like, Oh, you're still here. This is what we're really working on. Like, okay, like this is corny, but okay. So six. Fair enough. Um, and I, I, I second all those points. And again, like I said, I put the song in fifth place with six points and the patrons put it in a three way tie for seventh place with four points. Yeah, that's about right. Next is a song that we discussed in our argumentative duets episode. So we don't have a clip for it here, but I think if I recall correctly, you can hear a clip of it back there. Mm -hmm. This is the song Nothing Better that features guest vocals by the aforementioned Jen Wood. And it is a song in which a guy is explaining as uh, articulately as possible why they should stay together forever, he and this woman. And the woman in her quite calm but very pointed way says i feel i must interject here you're getting carried away etc cetera, etc cetera. i've prepared a lecture on why i have to leave she has charts and graphs to explain it she's very pointed mm -hmm. and um sarah i really like this song a lot i this one did i think a lot better in this ranking than it did in the other one it has a very air Morchiba feel, which may be why I don't respond as much to the rest of the album, that it's like stuff that I already had on board. So this feels a little less essential to me. Mm -hmm. um, I have zero recollection of what I said about this or how I ranked it, but um, I feel like the the participation of Jen Wood and her PowerPoint elevates it from some of the sad boner business of the rest of the <laughs> album that can get a little bit bogged down in its own humid sweater phonics at the end of a pier. And there is plenty, there's bleep bloops plenty in this song, but it actually seems much more purposeful in terms of separating the narrative strands. So this charted pretty high for me, number three, eight points. Mm-hmm. And I put it in second place with nine points. And uh, the patrons, it's part of the tie for seventh with four points from them. Okay. And I, I will just add that this song has my favorite line on the whole album. In the very last moments of the song, Jen Wood sings, Don't you feed me lines about some idealistic future. Your heart won't heal right if you keep tearing out the sutures. Yeah. That is fucking great. Yeah, it's good. A plus lyric there, Ben. Gibber. Yeah, and giving some of the giving some of the lyrics to her or to this character is smart because sometimes, yes. like his vocal, it's not whiny. Like he doesn't have an unpleasant voice, but sometimes his lyrics are better served by other people who can dry yes. them out a little bit. And also, like you said, the fact that there's another character here who can call him on his bullshit adds mm -hmm. some levity, which is. Much needed and appreciated at this point. Yeah, agree. Um, on to the extremely cheery recycled air. <laughs> <laughs> I just mentioned the band air and this is not exactly recycled air. I mean, maybe if it were air France, you could make that argument. Um, I'm about to play a clip, which I pulled 
from this track, there's uh, just these lovely downbeat lyrics that I think are an excellent marriage of form and function and sort of the peak of what this band does well when it like steps off its own dick, <laughs> sweater dick for a second. This is exactly what a post breakup flight is like. It's exactly mm. what you would listen to on one. Do we need the last minute of the song? Maybe not, but the rest of the song I think makes up for it. And here's a clip. I really love that the sort of bleep bloops, <laughs> I they're so mad at us right now. Like, actually, it's the following, the processing, you know, e-tronic that no one cares. <laughs> I think you mean bleep bloops are. Yes, that is a technical term for the bleep bloops is bleep bloops. But they come in and you're sort of like, bleep bloops, don't ruin this moment. <laughs> but then there's that. That um, connotation that they bring of sort of hearing like from the cockpit on a flight and like the various flashing lights on wings that you're looking at as you're landing. And I, I just think that all of that is braided together really subtly and that there are a lot of things in here that um, the in other songs the songs sort of step back and do a flourish and are like, you know, behold our construction. And here they don't, they don't do that. And it's also like there, there are alienating parts of it that then resolve. So it's like they found, they sort of found a fix for some of the unfinished pretension business of previous tracks, if that makes any mm. sense. Anyway, mm -hmm. I was knocked back by this song for real. Number one, 10 points. Oh, shit. I yeah. love that. I never would have predicted that. I love it so much. And, you know, one of the things I really like about this song is, especially at this point in the album, we need a song that also has some lyrical simplicity. Mm -hmm. And there just aren't that many words in this song. And the words that are there do a great job of putting you on that plane, making mm -hmm. you understand the discomfort that he's feeling and then you're right that just the elegant build of the music does the rest of the work. And I think it's really quite an achievement. Mm. And yeah. I probably would have ranked this higher if I had heard what you just said before I did my <laughs> own rankings. But I um, yeah, I put yeah. it in sixth place. Um, but I still quite like it. And mm. that's five points for me. And interestingly, the patrons have it in a two-way tie for last. Huh. But okay. I think that's wrong. I have to say, I don't think that's that's not correct to me. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, I understand kind of being like, eh, but ugh. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, the patrons, they, they get to, it's a free country. You well, know, it's a you free know. Patreon. It's not a free Patreon, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm not mad or disappointed. 
It's just what it is. I just think you're stupid. Just kidding. That's fine. <laughs> I was a little surprised at my reaction to this too, but like, I really, I think it is incredibly evocative and lovely. So there you go. Well, there you do go. Next up, we do not have a clip for the song Clark Gable, but I dig this song. It is a, for the Postal Service, very peppy mm-hmm. tune about uh, trying to stage a relationship rather than just having a relationship. Mm-hmm. It makes me think about that scene in Sex and the City where Carrie and Berger talk about the fact that they, or Carrie's telling Miranda that she and Berger had this bit where they kiss like they're in an old movie in front of every building that they're mm-hmm. that they are at together. And Miranda's like, you guys have a bit? That's so sad. And yeah. that's what this song is to me. Like you, you, you perform a relationship that you don't actually have. Yeah. Um, and it does have some, like you could interpret the lyrics um, a couple of ways. One of which is that like, this is all a setup and this is a little bit stocky. Um, mm. I, I don't think that's where it's coming from authorially. Uh, there's this funereal organ up top that is sort of interesting for a few seconds. And then a minute later, you're like, hey, start the song. They finally do. Um, and the lyrics are like, I don't know, they're, I mean, they're descriptive and good, but they're also too pleased with themselves as usual. That said, I think this is a great match of lyrics and music. I thought that I, you know, I thought a lot of things about it. Like I took a bunch of notes. Um, there's a lot of story, uh, so to say. So yeah, this is right in the middle, pleasing, um, but not, you know. Not the best. So number five, six points. Mm-hmm. And I want to also just give a shout out to the chorus. Uh, I want so badly to believe that there is truth, that love is real, et cetera, et cetera, because they really kick up the pace. It's yeah. like real oomph in that chorus, mm-hmm. uh, which is needed. So you put it in fifth, both the patrons and I put it in fourth. So oh. we're clearly all in relative agreement about Clark Gable. Next, I am shocked that the song We Will Become Silhouettes was released as a single from this album Mm. because I don't think this song is very good. Yeah. Um, My notes read in part, oh, my God, all caps, just end a song in under four minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, I was disappointed that the There Will Come Soft Rains reference was not made explicit from a band that doesn't like they don't bury their lyrics under a lot of symbology like just say the name bradbury and i guess they couldn't get it to scan (laughs) so they didn't this is kind of everything that i have not traditionally cared for about jenny lewis product Mm. and but it still wasn't last or it was eighth so i put the song in seventh place and i have to say i was surprised that the patrons put this in third um Okay, great. Huh. I Was this, I mean, maybe because it was a single? Like, I, f- yeah. I feel like I had heard of this song while not hearing it, having not heard and it I, before. The part where Jenny Lewis sings in counterpoint, so he sings, and will become, and then she sings, and will become. That's lovely. That's nice. Hmm. It's one section of a much longer song, and I yeah. don't like it enough to keep listening to the song. Hmm. But, you know, it's not, maybe maybe people, clearly people connect to it more deeply than we do. 
And you know what, patrons? Go ahead. That's right. It's a free country. We can all feel how we want to feel. Yeah. Speaking of feelings, we have finally arrived at the song This Place is a Prison, about which I have many feelings. Those feelings include abhorrence, disgust, (laughs) exhaustion, revulsion, apathy, anhedonia, all of them. This is the nine billionth song that has been written about how hard it is to be rich and go to parties where people are doing drugs and drinking, but everyone is dead inside. And if I could never hear another song about that topic again, it would be fine by me. And to make matters fucking worse... The Postal Service decides that this is where they also want to make their dirgiest music. Mm-hmm. So it's just the most, it's just an ugly slog through the most banal observations about how rich people suck. And I don't have time for it. Last place, one point. Hmm. Okay, I will press. You're like, I love this song and I just recorded a cover. <laughs> um, I do enjoy the song. Oh. Okay, yes, see, a free country, we, we don't yep. have to be the same. I was going to preface these remarks with a reference to this sort of weird documentary hybrid called Stay With Me People, The Jeffrey Dahmer Files. <laughs> because they had these very, I mean, t- you know, tasteful reenactments of like Jeffrey Dahmer's youth. There was an actor playing him and they had this Swedish electronica duo called The Knife. Oh yeah. Scoring part of the scoring part of it and then they have this extremely disconcertingly creepily beautiful song called Still Light that talk about it's like an elongated torturous bleep followed by a weird acidic bloop that begins the credits and every hair I've ever had stood up hearing this. And this place is a prison reminded me of that in the best possible way. I acknowledge everything you're saying about the, um, okay. Bear, bear has some notes (laughs) about my liking the song. And I also feel on top of your objections to, um, pop musicians complaining about the you know benefits of being pop musicians that the prison metaphor needs to be taken off the lyrical table for a period of 18 to 24 months. I just I think it's time. Find some other way to do it. I know a lot of things rhyme with bars, but unless you're talking about the kind of bar where I can get some brown liquor and contemplate the song, then I no, stop. But this Like I took no notes because I was completely pulled into the soundscape and how Mm. many shades of dark Phoebe Bridgers gray they were able to paint orally with the song. I don't think anybody is wrong to think it's a piece of shit. Um, But it's a piece of shit that I'm storing in Amber. Number two, nine points. Oh, shit. Yeah. I love these moments so (laughs) much though i really also like classic buncy here's why i love this song a documentary about a cannibal (laughs) don't get up i'll fire myself it's been time but also it's so clearly like me too i love this song because i remember a romantic moment at a weird play (laughs) (laughs) well your yours was better mine can only be we are is just creepy (laughs) Uh, the patrons put it in eighth place, uh, which is three points from them. 
Next, we have track nine, and this is another one that I pulled a clip for. Before we even go any further, let's just listen right away to a clip of Brand New Colony. Let's. I just love this song. It's very romantic. It's about a guy saying that he will be anything that this woman needs happily and that they will just go out and start their own world of two, to use a phrase, Sarah, that Mm -hmm. I learned from you. And I really love the verse that I clipped. I'll be the platform shoes. Undo what heredity's done to you. You won't have to strain <laughs> to look that, into dude. my eyes. That's so funny and cute and like sweet. When we so got I, to the, I was listening to it and I was like, this sounds a little bit familiar. I feel like that boop, 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 boop. I've heard it before. Maybe and the Mario Brothers theme. <laughs> yeah. Me I mean, know. maybe that used to be my ringtone before Law and Order. Um, but I got to the line where it's like uh, talking about the cynics and leaving them behind. And I was like, and here we are in the Mark lane. (laughs) And that's like, that's part of why, because this song, as many of them do, like, I would say that it doesn't start well, but it just does nothing but start for like three days. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) boo boo. Why? And then I got into like, once you get into the, the center two of these songs, you're like, oh, I see. And I was like, this makes perfect sense as a choice for Mark to clip. And then it like, it found a way to grow on me over the course of it. Yeah, I think that you've really hit on something that every single song on this album, if it were shaved by 90 seconds, Mm -hmm. would actually improve. Yeah. Yeah, like take a lesson from, um, not Death Cab. I mean, The Hives actually, or... The vines like air songs are seven minutes long. That's not that's not something you need to do. (laughs) How about just get in and get out like this whole album could be 24 minutes long, Mm -hmm. quite frankly, it could. Um, Well, where did you end up ranking it? Uh, Number four, seven points. And I have it in third place with eight points. So we are very closely aligned on this. And this is the patron's other song that tied for seventh place. So that's. Mm. Third place from me, eight points. Seventh place from them, four points. Fourth place from you, seven points. Okay. And I think that <laughs> you've only got one ranking left. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we know then that the only thing that you have left is your last place song. Spoiler. Um, it's called Natural Anthem, the final song on the album. And more than any other song, perhaps in the history of time, this is the song that commits the sin of just never getting fucking started. Yeah. Like, like I I almost quit in the middle of it. And then I was like, oh, someone's singing. I guess I have to care. Nope. (laughs) Not caring. (laughs) Yeah. My notes include the following phrases. Get to the fucking point. 
Why is this happening to me? I am sleepy. I kind of don't even want to give it one point. Like, I was that mad because it sort of was like this journey through like, oh, my God, this is going to be a slog. Oh, that's super interesting. Okay, this is cutesy, but it's an improvement. Oh, I really like this song. Oh, here's Mark's pick. Interesting. This grows on me and like, you know, this journey of analysis. Like, why are things not working for me? What? Blah, 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 blah. And then... They just threw every self-fart sniffing <laughs> English 541 pretentiously at early arriving piece of shit from the rest of the album into the blender. But then they don't even turn the blender on. They just like shake the blender. Guys, <laughs> it's okay to just have nine songs. I mean, that's really one of the things that I can't get over. Like you could have just ended without this song. Yeah. Why? Also, why, why do so many albums do this to us? Like, there's a song at the end that's like, it's a cappella, and it's like, where do you even fucking put this? She's singing about war. Or I'm also remembering at the end of Jagged Little Pill, there's that nine and a half hour song, Wake Up, where she's oh. just like mumbling over a sound wash. It's just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Did, I think we just agreed that we weren't, that we were like, in our timeline, this song doesn't exist. You're welcome. <laughs> like... You're so, but you're also just so right. Like, oh my God, Tori and just everybody. Just, I mean, I, I feel still guilty even like touching the hem of that song's garment because it's like, I think it's an important song. But in terms of like the rest of the album, like, I don't, I don't think we get to rank those with English words. So, right. Interesting I mean, that, choices have been made on all sides. I mean, that's very different because Me and a Gun is at least a successful work of art yes exactly this is just like i like to make sounds i turn this knob and flip this switch let's do it for seven more minutes yeah and then he's like this is your natural anthem i'm like if it were my natural anthem it would be done in 48 seconds like the actual national anthem the only good thing you could say about it is that they only used one verse (sighs) so yes that's 10th place mm-hmm. for you one point the patrons have it in a tie for 10th mm-hmm. one point and i put it in eighth place only because you the district sleeps alone things. tonight and this place is a prison were annoying me more <laughs> but do i think that i ever ever like, is annoyance worth fewer points than bafflement <laughs> yes <laughs> i get but it do i do i think i will ever listen to this again possibly but not happily yeah, not not on purpose. No. Okay, so I am now prepared, drumroll please, to tell you our top and bottom three songs. Okay. I am well, I am prepared emotionally to hear them. Quite correctly, natural anthem <laughs> lands in tenth place out of ten. <laughs> Bye bitch. Um now this place is a prison does come in next to last. I, t- I tried. <laughs> but it ties. It ties with The District Sleeps Alone Tonight. So those are our bottom three songs. Mm-hmm. National Anthem, This Place is a Prison, and The District Sleeps Alone Tonight. Our third place song, interestingly enough, is Clark Gable. Huh. Okay. Okay. I'm I'll comfortable with I'll that. Take... It got 20 points. It's actually just one point ahead of Brand New Colony, which is a very close fourth place. Okay. Our second place song with 21 points is Nothing Better, sure. which I think is a solid choice. Yeah. And Such Great Heights is uh, in first place with 24 points. 
which is of course what's going to happen when both the patrons and I put it in first. Like, come on. Yeah. Well, and I, I didn't hate it. So. And then, um, honestly, overall recycled air, 16 points, very solid top. I think that makes it fifth. So yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I'm content with that. I'm content with this overall. And I am also content to have visited with the postal service. And then I think with the exception of a couple of songs, I will be returning to sender. <laughs> oh, or you'll be using FedEx from this point forward. Yeah, no such number. Um, but what I will say, Sarah, is that you are very much the bleep to my bloop. <laughs> and uh, leave us not forget the Patreons who are the beep boop, beep boop, beep boop. <laughs> They're the bleep <laughs> and the bloop. <laughs> And thank you for letting us achieve such great heights with these ranking episodes and everything else we do. Your support is really important. And uh, all our listeners, thank you. Uh, Thank you so much for listening and coming along with us on this journey. Bye. Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, that's me, and Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. I also edit the podcast, which is a proud member of the Believe Network. Learn more at BLEAV.com. To learn more about us, submit song requests, get a pop chart reading, or buy a Mastis book, visit our website at MarkAndSarahTalkAboutSongs.com. You'll also find all of our social media links there, too. That's Mark and Sarah with an H, TalkAboutSongs.com. And for even more content and access to the Mastass Happy Hour, become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash Mastass. Thanks for listening. Anything will do. If this was the last time, now you should tell us what to do. I was so afraid I guess. Now I can't think no more. I was so constant. I'm keeping things together. Mark and Sarah talk about songs. 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 Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.